Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, the baseball season is, of course, finished, so I won't be on it as much looking for tickets for baseball, or at all, really. I mean, what games are there? But uh, comedy is is a big thing I like to enjoy during the winter. And so you can st- you can use SeatGeek for everything else. Concerts, that's kind of all-encompassing when it comes to comedy shows, um, you know, theater shows, actual, con- you know, music concerts, all sorts of different stuff. Uh, they got Broadway, music festivals, they got everything on there. So you can still use it to find that. In fact, I was just looking the other day uh, to find some some Seinfeld tickets. So I'm kind of interested to see what I'm going to be able to find there. He's coming uh, in January. So Now, SeatGeek has taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls the tickets available on other sites all into one place so you save time and you never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if prices fall. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value, so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. In fact, I can get you 20 bucks just for listening to the show. All you have to do is uh, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo. Enter the promo code SLEEPER. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase with them. So again, just download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Episode 411 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I'm your host, Paul Sporer. It is Wednesday, December 7th, and we have another guest episode. It is with Rotographs writer Paul Costava, as well as my personal friend. Um, you know, I've cycled him in a few different times already. It is a situation where, you know, we'll be seeing him appear regularly, but it's still a guest episode. Anytime, anytime it's not Jason and Eno, we're going to consider it a, a guest episode, if you will. So I brought Paul back on to discuss the market. We actually did this on Monday evening, so some things have transpired, but I think there's still plenty of good discussion here in terms of how the market might break down. Um, at the key positions, which we determined were outfield, closer, first base, and we got a little bit in on catcher, which is not a deep market at all, but I think the, the lack of depth is kind of what makes it interesting because uh, some teams are going to have to fill that role and there's not a lot to choose from. So, um, you know, you, you'll hear some things that uh, are obviously moot at this point because that player has maybe signed either with the team that we projected or elsewhere, but. I think, again, I think the overarching points that we discuss still have merit, especially because um, certainly not everybody that we touched on has signed. In fact, in the closers market, it's still wide open. I believe we did. I believe we did talk a little bit about a Wade Davis potential trade, but it wasn't it wasn't flared up that he might go to the Cubs at that point. So keep that in mind again, recorded on Monday night. 
but I still think uh, plenty valuable. And as far as future episodes, I'm going to see if Eno's available tomorrow. I know he's still out at the winter meetings, so time is tough, but the winter meetings does kind of close down tomorrow afternoon. So if maybe we, he and I can get something going, you'll get yet another episode this week. But if not, then then probably Friday, to be honest, because there's a lot that has gone on uh, for Eno and I to discuss. And hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm putting this up mid, mid-Wednesday, uh, mid-afternoon Wednesday, there's a whole another day of the winter meetings, um, and then even on Thursday, once the winter meetings are done, doesn't mean we can't have some signings and trades. So hopefully we get a heck of a lot more moves to continue to discuss. Without further ado, Paul Costava. I'm joined once again by my buddy Paul Costava, writer for the Rotographs. Paul, how's it going, bud? Good, man. Just um, this hot stove, man. It got it got got get started it's or heating up start getting hot you soon it's heating up though it is heating up it's heating up now the problem is you know we've had a few big moves but they've been like re-signings and for for us particularly on the fantasy side that doesn't really heat it up you know like your boys uh, paul's a mets fan for those that don't remember uh re-signed assessments that's great you're psyched but that doesn't do anything for fantasy really and so there's not even really any analysis to write about uh rich hill Looking like he's locked up, re-signing with with uh, the Dodgers. Same sort of deal. That doesn't really change much. So we're getting some bigger chips to fall, but they're just going back to their teams. Now we've had some big moves, um, and we'll actually kind of cover them a little bit in here. A couple moves that that have happened, including one today. But what we're really going to focus on is is the market itself uh, at different positions and kind of how it breaks down. Uh, at closer, first base, outfield, and then depending on time, we might dive into catcher too. I think it's an interesting market. It's a small market. Um, there's, in fact, it's 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 pretty light, uh, especially with Jason Castro already signed. But Will, Wellington Castillo was non-tendered, so him getting thrown into the mix kind of helps. But then you got a Wilson Ramos coming off an injury and Matt Weider. So we, we'll see if we can get that for time. But closers, first base, and outfield, I think is really really interesting and i want to start with closer because that's the market that everyone's focused on right now paul and we did see a big chip fall today which probably kind of sets the market uh we saw mark melanson head out to san francisco they're going to go ahead and sign him that one fits like i thought that they were going to go for the for the up upper 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 one of the one of jansen chapman they go with Melanson. It actually fits when you really think about it. They love these types. These are the types of guys that they have at closer. They don't usually have a power closer. In fact, they kind of burned them this year with Romo and Casilla uh, kind, of, kind of flaming out. That's why we all thought Strickland was eventually going to get it, but then he never really kind of grasped that job. So now they'll go with Melanson. Say what you want about Melanson and the fact that he doesn't really uh, get a ton of strikeouts. The dude's been absolutely dominant since becoming a closer, right? I mean, it's it's hard to dispute what he's done as a closer. It's hard to dispute, but and I know he fits the mold of what Giants look for in their closers typically. My concern is um, in the ballpark, I almost want a fly ball pitcher in that park to neutralize that one weakness you might have, so a hard thrower who doesn't who strikes a lot of guys out but may give up long balls may have a, a better future in in San Francisco just cuz some of those balls are going to die. Yeah, you, you can live as a fly ball pitcher out there. Uh, but the only problem is you take that show on the road, what happens? Maybe you get a Hunter Strickland situation. Remember that. Most people remember yep. him from that playoff when he gave up a ton. I will say, though, if you're going to be a ground ball guy, having Brandon Crawford and Joe Panic up the middle, that certainly helps. Brandon Belt holds his own at first. And I'm trying to think who's even at third base for them right now. Who's it? Who's... Is it Gillespie again? Oh, yeah. Him? I mean, it, it, 
it could be that's. Pro- oh no, Eduardo Nunez is probably going to play primary primary third base because they made the move for him too. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's he's all right. So that it's a good infield defense that that can definitely scoop up his uh, fifty five to sixty percent ground balls. You know, let's not shade him on his strikeouts either. This is not six and a half like Jim Johnson style Ziegler. back in the day. Uh, who'd you say, Brad Ziegler? Yeah, Ziegler. Either. Yeah, this is not Brad Ziegler. He had 8.2 strikeouts per nine last year, 24% rate. Uh, it was 21% the year before, 7.3, but then 9, 8.9, and 8.2. So he can miss some bats. Like, like, let's not sell him short. It's just that he doesn't do it with dominance. Mark Lanson kind of lives 91-93. So that chip falls. We knew San Francisco was going to get one of them. I, w- I would have put any amount of money on that, that they end up with one of those big three. It did not matter. They were going to figure it out, uh, and it ends up being a four-year, $62 million deal. So that kind of sets the market. What I really want to focus on with you. Sorry, go ahead. And I'll say that's really smart because you know the other two guys are going to exceed that. Oh, God, they're going to get paid fat. Because, yeah, right now this is the highest for a closer ever, and, and we all know that that's a temporary situation because both Melanson, or excuse me, both Jansen and Chapman are going to break that. So the, we have those two guys out there. We also have kind of a sneak tip guy who did not have a good little showcase, Greg Holland. But if he gets his velo back, he could be kind of a sneaky guy. But let's focus on the two big chips right now. There's a lot of teams that need closers, Paul, that are going to want to get into this pool. And there's just not going to be enough to go around. You have the two teams that they're both leaving. The Cubs and the Dodgers are definitely going to be interested. You have teams like... um I'm trying to think of who else is out there. All these other. You know, teams. I heard it was. T- you know, I heard it was really tied to them. At least one of the two, and they might throw big money out. Is Miami? Miami. Miami was getting rumored just yesterday, Sunday. Um, we're recording this on Monday. I think it's actually going to release Tuesday or Wednesday. Just, just uh, on Sunday, they were getting rumored to be talking to them. Washington is another one. They lost Melanson. That was the one I was really uh, trying to think of. So you're looking at the East there. A lot of teams out east are are looking. Um, could the uh, well of course the Dodgers I mentioned them Arizona could they get frisky again and start spending some money because you know they spent money last year obviously the big money on Granky could they could the new organization say yes we're going to be smarter than the last organization uh, regime I should say about spending money but we are going to go for a Jansen or a Chapman is, is there any chance that right now they're talking Jake Barrett uh, uh, roster resources roster grid has Jake Barrett in the uh, in the closers role. If they're smart, they they wouldn't just because their window's not yet, and it doesn't make sense to spend that money just yet. I agree. On a I closer, I think um, another team you oh. can maybe look at is maybe Philly. Well, they just did get Benoit, and I wonder if they feel comfortable putting Benoit back in a in, in a role. Uh, in, in a closer's role. Now, the one thing I would say is they might be similar in terms of it might not be their time yet, but I think their time's actually going to come quicker than most realize. I, I, I don't hate this Philly team. And once Benoit got back on track with, uh, with Toronto, he, it was a little bit shaky with, with Seattle this past season where he was walking too many guys, uh, gave up a few too many homers. It was a, it was 24 innings. So a couple, Bad outings can really shade you. And he had a 518 ERA and a 144 whip. Goes over to Toronto. Uh, his skills were, got back on track. Uh, cut the walk rate a whole bunch. Had a .38 ERA and a 110 whip. Now, he was probably on the other end with Toronto of, of, of good luck if he was on bad luck with Seattle. But you kind of balance it out, and he had a 281 ERA and a 127 whip. Actually was lost to the end of the year uh, in a celebration. 
He didn't he bust up yeah. his knee in a celebration, so that was kind of crazy. So he goes and out see- to Philly though, and that right now he's going to be their closer, I think. He's their closer right now, but I could see Philly wanting to bump him to the eighth. So now they have options to move who I really like, Norris and Gomez, because that's what they were looking to do last year. They said in the off season was move relief pitchers to get more quality batters or starting pitchers, hitters, anything they can that will provide them more value. And I guess they saw the market wasn't there just yet, but trading there you have no problem trading relief pitchers, it seems like, if that will better their total team, which shows that they're on the right track. That is something that they could do, though, too. If they were if they were going to get into this market just to make a splash and kind of be be crazy with it, because they also uh, signed Pat Neshek. So they put two big pieces in there, Benoit Neshek, to go with Neris and Jimar Gomez. And so now you got a quartet that you can rely on. But if they wanted to stack that bullpen, they signed one of the big dudes, almost with the plan of trying to trade him in an Andrew Miller, Aroldis Chapman type deal this year to bolster their team. I of course, we're talking – that's a dark horse situation, but uh, I, I guess we cannot rule them out. So I would say Washington, Chicago, the Dodgers, the um, Rangers are one. The Marlins are another. What about mm, – I'm looking, I'm looking here. I'm looking at other teams. Here's another one, by the way. This is not a team that's interested in getting one of these guys. This is another piece that could fall in the closers market. I think Wade Davis gets dealt. So there's going to be three big pieces for these teams to get. And, and what is that? Miami, Washington, Chicago, the Dodgers, uh, and Texas. That's five teams I think are definitely in. Then you look at maybe Arizona, maybe Philly as, as dark horses if they want to dip into this market. But you got five teams for sure that consider themselves contenders right now that are going to be interested in. And that's just if we, we, can we rule out like a Boston saying, yeah, we know we have Kimbrel, but we want the two-headed monster. We want to build something like you know. And the Yankees have said they're not completely out on on Chapman, uh, bringing him no, back to not. pair with Batances. So that's those are two more teams. So this market is thick, and I would actually shade them closer toward the five definites in there, and like in between where we have the dark horses. So if you if you want to see a team that could just say we want to make a big splash. That would be. That's why you can't rule out too many teams, even contenders that have somebody established. Now, I don't think Cleveland would do it. They got Cody Allen and Miller. Like getting a third, that's just not the smart allocation of resources. Same goes for Baltimore. I know that uh, Buck Showalter is never going to use Zach Britton, but they have Britton, Brock, and O'Day. But I, I do think Boston and New York cannot be ruled out, despite having lockdown stud closers in this market because they could get that second dynamic guy. So I'm going to put you to the test a little bit, though. Where, where Let's start with Chapman. Well, first off, who do you think is going to get more, Jansen or Chapman? Who gets more money? Chapman. Okay. He's a lefty. And I know it sounds really minor, and I think there's an uh, element of him. They th- He's a lefty. He's he. There's something a little more dominant about him. Not that much, but I just I, my it's all about perception when it comes to the that type of money when you get to that point, I think. I think there is a perception that he's uh, a bit more dominant. But then when you back up and look at the numbers, it is pretty darn close. And and I had this realization just this year. As the year was kind of panning out and these two were being talked about, I, I stepped back a little bit and realized, well, Jansen's actually like right there with him. But I, I, I agree with you just the same that I do think that Chapman has – little factors that'll get him a little bit more money. They're both the same age. 
Um, but you know, he is the lefty and, and some teams are going to value that more because he can get out righties just fine, but he also can devastate lefties. Not that Jansen struggles with lefties. Again, these are both lockdown stud guys. Okay. So you're going to have Chapman going for a little bit more. What's your pick? Or, or I'll let you give a, a, a top three if you want. If you want to rank them because you're not dead set on one team, that's fine. But give me, give me two or three teams that you're really leaning toward with Chapman. I'm really leaning. I'm definitely leaning towards the Yankees. I think they're they're playing it conservative right now, but I think they know their window is in about two years. So the long term thing makes sense for them to go for him. Mm-hmm. And even if they sign him, that still gives them a good three headed monster with him, Batances, and if Clippard kind of gets back to where what he can do, that's a nice seventh inning guy. Um, I like I, Clipper. The it's Cubs. Stuff. The Cubs. I think he get back into it as well. Okay. Um, I don't know what I, I actually think the Cubs though are going to make a push for Wade Davis because of the one year control. They get the one year. They maybe trade. They trade a. They have pieces to trade. I mean, you could do something like. Do you think Solaire alone gets Wade Davis, or do you have to pay more? That's that's who I'm hearing. The only concern people have with Solaire is he has four years of control. So you're giving up four years of control potentially for a guy that you control for one year. Well, so maybe maybe. Maybe the Cubs, maybe it's a bigger deal then. Maybe Wade Davis comes with somebody because the the Royals are about to deal with like a potential exodus. They have, I think, four or five key guys that are going to become available next year. They're on the final year of their deal, and it's guys like uh, Hosmer, Kane, Escobar, Davis. Um, I think there's one more. Moose. All five of them. It's got to be, yeah. That's their, you know, that's their core. And so they got to figure out, you know, you don't want to go from the where they were to just completely bottoming out back to the scrub team that they were. So I think they have to figure out a way to make it work, uh, trade a couple of these pieces, extend the window a little bit, maybe not reopen the window completely, but stay competitive to where you're also building for the future. So I'm wondering if they could do something where where they send a couple pieces and Solaire's a centerpiece, but you still get a couple small pieces around him. Because I think that's fair that you say, you know, a four years of Solaire for one year Wade Davis. Now, it's weird, though, because in season, I think Davis and Solaire, I, I don't even know if Solaire gets it done by himself in season. And because remember what we saw out of the Chapman and Miller trades, when you're in the thick of it and you're three months away from the playoffs, things become a hell of a lot more urgent. But when you're in the winter and and maybe it's not as tangible, I think the prices actually come down a little bit. So I don't know. Maybe they'd be better served to trade Wade Davis in season. However, to completely not contradict myself, but just to push back on that, play a little devil's advocate on it. He had the flexor strain issue. If you're KC, do you really want to risk him maybe being hurt um, and and not even pitching by the time June, July comes along, and then you can't trade him? What do you think and there? I think they, and I think they have the depth in their bullpen with Herrera, Soria, oh, yeah. Flynn oh, yeah. to say, you know what, we can move Davis. Let's not risk it. But I, 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 I like that point you're making because that's how I see Miami doing things. That's why they're my third team to get Chapman because I think they look at it as we'll sign him right now. A lot of people are scared of because I think he's going to get six to seven years. I really do. I think he's going to get six to seven years. He's asking. Teams six. are scared. Okay, I think he's going to get it. Teams are going to get scared, and Miami's going to say, "You know what? We're going to sign him." And then when Miami inevitably sucks, 
which I think is going to happen with them. Dude, they trick us. And you know what? This expands to football, too. I feel like the Dolphins and the Marlins every year are the, watch out for them, man. And I I fall for both of them. I fall for both of them in the sports. And I'm like, oh, man, hey, they're a little bit frisky. They made some moves this year. They got some core pieces. And then 8-8 and for the Dolphins and freaking 80-82 and for the the Marlins. Uh, They were 79-82 and this year. Like, Every year, I feel like. And, and so I hear you that, yeah, they'd make this Chapman signing. You know, obviously they're still overcoming the devastating tragedy of Jose Fernandez. It's bad enough the loss off the field, uh, before we even touch on the fact that they have to try to figure out a way to overcome it on the field. Obviously they're, you know, they're probably not even thinking about that yet. But at some point, they're going to have to face that reality of like, what, well, what do we do? Like, where are we now? We lost an ace pitcher. Um, yep which was the core of our family too. So he was that leader in the clubhouse and off the field, but also amazing on the field. So they're not even, you know, would almost a Chapman signing again. I don't want to, I don't want to sound insensitive or anything and say like to, to make them forget about Fernandez. It's nothing like that. They'll never forget him. I bet they'll do like an honoring every year and they should, by the way, I would have no problem with that, but I'm not, I'm not saying that they're moving on from him. I'm saying, but to try to uh, maybe energize things a little bit more back on the field, could they make maybe a splash signing like this? And so, and you're saying yes. and, And you think they could do Chapman more than Jansen? Mm, that's a good question. I think they could do either one. I'm just saying Chapman now, and I'm thinking also if I'm a team like let's say I'm the Cubs and I don't want to give Chapman six years, mm-hmm. but now I'm in the thick of the race and I need a closer, and it's June or July. I'm gonna give up. I'm gonna give up things that I wouldn't have give up before, mm-hmm. just like we saw last off season. Because it's like you know what, I'm evaluating this team as we're in the thick of it. We really need something. We need that extra element. And even though I don't want those six years, if this can guarantee me another World Series title, I'll do that. We're right now. Figure it out. Yeah. Teams teams aren't thinking that far because you never know what kind of injuries can happen. You know, you don't want to make this investment and find out that your team. You you might not necessarily make that investment now, but mid season perspectives change drastically. I tell you, if they did get Chapman, if the Marlins did get Chapman, I would start to get back on their train because then you're talking Chapman, Ramos, Bearclaw as awesome. as your as your top 3 guys uh in the bullpen, which is really nasty. Now, you know, the 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 rotation to get to there is tough, but you have the three-man bridge. So Wei-Yin Chen, Edinson Volquez, David Phelps, Adam Conley, Tom Kohler, it goes back to that KC model where you can tell them if you can just go five and six, don't worry about the seventh inning. Like that's 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 a pipe dream. We're hoping to get you to do that ten times a year, not twenty times a year. Don't worry about the seventh inning. We've got that covered. Then it comes back to what it always comes back to: Can Giancarlo stay healthy and 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 hit the way that that we know he can for a full season? And then they have other pieces. I love a Justin Bohr, Marcelo Zuna, somebody I'm definitely staying on. Uh, Christian Yelich, a really good center fielder. D. Gordon, if he gets back on track with his hitting uh, after the PED suspension, Martin Prado is just one of those quality hitters that you can rely on. Up and down the lineup, J.T. Real Muto had a great season, and I actually like Adani Hechevarea to be uh, to continue to evolve a little bit. Now he's going to be go into his age 28 season. He had a disastrous season this year with the bat after a quality 2015, but I still think there's a little bit more with his bat. If he can just be like a 
95 OPS plus, which is still below average. With his defense, it makes him a plus player. Plus, he's your eight hitter. You don't need a Danny Echeverria to be great. So I'm not saying that he's the linchpin. My point is, up and down that lineup, they have quality hitters. The starting pitching would still be the the shaky part, but a Chapman really changes the dynamic of the Marlins. It changes the dynamic. And I guess I... So I would pick them as my dark horse, actually. Miami okay. would be my dark horse. My third one, and they, again, I think this market for Chapman and Jansen, like when you ask me about Jansen, I'm going to say the same teams probably. Sure. It's Washington. Washington has to get one. They of have these to guys. get one, especially with, their t- with Sean Kelly as your closer. Especially, I like Sean Kelly. But he's got to be an eighth. Book. He's got to be a seventh, eighth guy with Blake Trinan. Like yep. th- those two have to be middle relief types. And then you got Ali Perez as your kind of uh, loogie. You got Sammy Solis from the left side as well. So you got some lefties that aren't devastating, but they can get lefties out. I agree with you. They have to get one of them. So I might not put them number one for either of these guys because I don't know which one they're going to get. But you're not going to go out and trade for McCutcheon or Sale, and they've been linked to both. You're not going to trade for one of those. De- you know, huge centerpieces and, and leave your ninth inning open. Those, those kind of moves are going to be in tandem. So you're going to get, uh, McCutcheon and, uh, sign a closer or, or let me back it up. Beep, beep, beep. What if, what if they go McCutcheon and Tony Watson and then you're talking now you can get Lucas Giolito and a Victor Robles in a deal? Whoa, that's, but then, then the Pirates have to be conceding the year, and I don't think trading McCutcheon concedes the year. I really don't. I, I don't. I don't think it concedes the year either. But I feel like they're one of these teams that knows that they can kind of cultivate a closer. Whether it's Juan Nicasio, who they signed last year and tried out as a starter, and then had to move him back. Um, you know, I don't think Antonio Bastardo is a closer type because he is from the left side, but. My point about Rivero. Watson is they don't need a, a lefty necessarily because they have Rivero and Bastardo who are quality yeah. lefties. They already have three lefties, so trading Watson I don't think devastates them. It's a matter of if they know that – if they feel that they can get somebody to close, whether it's Nicasio or I think uh, Archimedes Caminero is back on the free agent market. Maybe they can go go ahead and take another shot on him, although I think that ship's probably sailed with them. But if they feel comfortable of trying somebody out, hell, maybe they're the ones that go out and, and get Greg Holland and try to rebuild him and say we bought him on the cheap we'll put him in there i don't know i'm just saying with the way these mccutcheon talks are going maybe they're being not stalled but maybe they're being prolonged to expand the deal so that washington doesn't have to then go out and buy a closer as well that's fun because i yeah right now i'm hearing the talks have stalled had they they kind of stopped because washington's like yeah they're asking too much Mm -hmm. but if they lose out on both jansen and chapman then they got to start thinking like, you know what? Like you're kind of saying, think outside the box. Now I can give up those big pieces as long as you give me a Tony Watson, which the Pirates might say. It's kind of like one of those fantasy trades you make where they, the other team says, you want this guy? Like, oh, okay. Oh, that's fine. Gonna, yeah. That's going to make the deal for you? Yeah, oh, okay. that wasn't a hang-up for, for the Pirates. Yeah. Like Tony Watson, n- nothing against him, but he's going to be 32 years old. He's a really quality lefty, but he's only got the one year left as well. Um, so they're saying one year of Tony Watson to get to get this deal done and, and get Robles and Giolito or Robles and uh, Joe Ross. Hell yeah, we're in on that. You know, whatever the case may be, whatever the sticking point is on these prospects, they might say, yeah, that's all we needed to know. I don't know. I also um, when I was I wrote an article where I traded traded three players. 
sale Verlander and Wade Davis. And Wade Davis was the trade I made out to the Nats. So I think that they could be in on something like a Wade Davis. But I'm with you that Washington's not going to come out uh, with nothing here. The one team I think that that we all believe is heavy in this market, and I agree, but that that I could most easily see coming out with nobody is the Cubs. Because I think that they could put Hector Rondon back in there or CJ Carl Edwards. Um, he's no longer CJ, I guess. He's back to Carl now. So I, I think that they could, and it would be interesting. I think that, you know, some fans will be up in arms. We just won the World Series and we're not going to have a lockdown ninth inning guy. Maybe they're going back to what you said earlier, though. We'll address it in season. We'll start the season with Rondon, Edwards, and Strope, and we'll figure it out on the fly. I don't know. But I could the see data, them not pushing. And the data, remember I did a while ago, I was telling you about how I pulled all from like 2002 on, or 2001, I pulled all the playoff relief pitcher data. Yeah. And I looked at guys, and I'll just talk about guys who had over 200 pitches in the playoffs. And dude, there's some, I, I can't go through all the names, it's going to take me forever. But there's some names on there that had some serious drop-offs after having over 200 pitches in the playoffs, like Brad Lidge is on there, J.P. Howe, Fernando Salas, Keith Folk, the guys who kind of st- – Alexei Agondo, like uh, Neftali Feliz. And there's obviously guys on there who did really well. Like the one that's obvious is Mariano Rivera just transcended time no matter what. That guy wasn't that good though. Was he? Was Mariano he, Rivera really – no, I'm just kidding. I mean he was an average pitcher. He was decent. Um, he was decent. You know no, on- I'm kidding. You know who's on this list, though, for high volume and he still continues to dominate? It's Kelvin Herrera. He's a an beast. Interesting name to see. Yeah, like he can handle the workload. Not saying Chapman and Jansen won't be able to proceed and carry the workload because every pitcher is different. But it's something to consider when you're going to offer a guy six to seven years and he just pitched. You know, Chapman I have. This is before the whole World Series, dude. This is just like a few games into the World Series. He was at 238 pitches in the playoffs so far. Dude, he he That's went, a lot he of went hard. He went hard like that. He had a big playoff. So did Jansen. I wonder, you know, we we are we're all wondering right now how much is this playoff going to change usage in season? And obviously you can't do the same kind of usage where you're using them every day multiple innings. But maybe maybe we'll start to see these stud closers get more multi-inning stints in season so that they're prepared for it. And maybe just the ones that, that you know aren't used to like Dylan Patances has been doing multi-inning stuff since he came up. He's a hoss. He's a total beast. But maybe like a Craig Kimbrell has really been kind of refined into that you're only going to go one inning. Maybe Boston's going to say, listen, man, we might need you to go two innings in season or uh, in the postseason. So we're going to have you do it, I don't know, 12 times this year just so that we're ready and you don't feel like it's sprung on you because that was the one thing the worry with Chapman was he wasn't really a two-inning guy and I remember the first time that they did it it, it was a thing where it was like oh he's not, he doesn't do it and this could go badly and then he started to do it more and I think he I think he maybe grew into it a little bit even though uh mad I think mad misused him at times and and overly used him for no reason uh including that one world series game but i think that we'll see it slowly trickle into the regular season again you can't be putting 85 innings on your closer and then have them go in the postseason but you got to start putting them closer to 70 75 innings instead of just 60 that's how i feel what do you think paul i i agree and i wonder if now you're going to see guys going instead of going eight nine you see guys going seven eight 
which would now that's going to really impact fantasy value because you're not going to have these guys with 40, 50 saves yep. because they're pitching seventh, eighth innings. They and come in when it's to... the real fire. They come in and actually put out a fire in the seventh inning when it's bases loaded one out and, and you bring in, um, you know, let's say Wade Davis, Washington brings in Wade Davis to get that out. And then Sean Kelly picks up the save because Wade Davis snuffed out that big fire. Snuffed out the big fire. And, and then I also look at, will leagues have to start be forced to start doing saves hold leagues holds leagues so that everyone gets good value then so that relievers keep value yeah you're seeing more leagues get into that because you're starting to find like your best pitchers sometimes aren't your closers and they get no value in fantasy or not none but not none get very little value it's just not as obvious like they're obviously not impacting that save stat that that happened in the second half of course to andrew miller now again we wouldn't say no value and it's not you know if you run a dollar calculator he still had you know one of the best seasons for relievers of course because he got these wins and the strikeouts and the innings that he had but the problem is is we don't just add up our dollar values at the end of the year and say that's who wins you have to win the different categories. So I think that um, if we don't figure out a way to do this, it could really rob value of some of these guys because, hey, man, I needed saves from him. It, it, it's great that he had these innings and these strikeouts Andrew Miller did, but I needed saves. And where were those? They just weren't there. So I think we could see an interesting shift where more leagues go to saves holds. You and I like them. We're, we're in saves holds leagues. I have no problem with them. I love scouting middle relievers. I, I know some people don't, so but it's a lot of fun to find the next, you know, Edwin Diaz or, or like Kelvin Herrera before he was a big deal. I felt like I knew about him because of saves holds league. Uh, so I, I, I like that aspect of it, but I think it's going to be something that has to become a little bit more widespread. Before we move on to the next one, Paul, I just thought of a, what if we had a league that only calculated dollar values? And that's how you win the league. So you pick you pick obviously a certain system that you're going to use. Like we do straight roto, and then we say, okay, we do an auction, and, and then, then you, at the end of the year, the team that has accrued the most dollar values from their team wins. By, by the auction calculator or something. Yeah. That would be kind of fun. Or That would be kind of a weird, fun league. Like you could do it where – it's a five by five league and this league. It's two different titles, though. Like who's oh. in the lead for the dollar title and who's in the lead for the uh, for the regular five by five? You know, say it's a one hundred dollar entry. You put fifty of it in one pool, fifty of it in the other pool, and you're you're doling out two titles. Or we do it like they do in fantasy football. The one who has the most dollar value would is not the champion. But they win that money like in football. Who has the most points in season? Yeah. yeah. You doll it up. We could do it any way we want, but it would just be an interesting um, little wrinkle to throw in there. I agree. I think it would be really interesting to do that. For those that are listening to this, there's probably loopholes that we're that we're missing. So if you can think of any, let me know because I'm curious. Like, could you just you you don't want it so like somebody could pick up somebody in September who's like a you know they cut a bunch of their weaker players to pick up. $10 value players that aren't really that good and they really weren't on there. You know, could you, you would want to avoid them being able to game it. Maybe it would have to be like 
a draft and hold league. Maybe it's a like 50 a forget it. like a 50 round draft and hold and then you're saying okay, then you can have the dollar value thing and the 5 by 5 thing. I don't know. I I'm just I'm trying to think of there's probably ways to game it that would be really artificial and we wouldn't want that, but I I would it would be fun. I just like to see it even if it wasn't for money or, or for like a a mythical title in a league. I would just like to run it at the end of a year in one of our leagues and say, "Oh, hey, this guy ended up with, uh, he was in fourth place, but he had the most dollar values because, you know, he had these, these three, uh, $2 guys that all turned 25 plus of profit or something like that. So I, I, I like where it's going, but we'd have to iron out the kinks. I wonder, and then if, if we didn't do a set it and forget it league, like we did do in season transactions, would you be mad at a team that's losing that trades a high dollar value player away to get a keeper? Because then that would mean the team that gets that high dollar value just bought maybe like already $25 worth of value for someone who's worth nothing. Exactly. Do you get mad about Because it's not like normal fantasy where I'm not getting his past stats. So maybe maybe, the- maybe the dollar value thing is only based on the draft. Maybe that's the way okay. to combat it is that we're only okay. judging on draft day value. And, and then so that, that sticks. In an auction league, of course. Yeah, that sticks. You leave that where it is. You save your rosters, calculate it at the end of the year, and then you do your in-season moves like you normally would. You just leave it as a regular league, either. yeah. It, it, leave it as a regular league and just have a little side pot. Maybe we could do that with BA and talk to the guys who want to do a little side pot on that. Yeah, exactly. And, and then after, you know, I always keep that spreadsheet from the auction. We keep that. That's that's it. That's what we're basing it off of. Those dollar values against the auction calculator at Fangraphs or the Baseball HQ forecaster, whatever we said would be the arbiter of the dollar values. We would have to make it one universal arbiter, of course. And then we do it like that. I think that's the way to do it. Because if you're, if you're talking about the, the roster being manipulated in season, I think that, that really doesn't get to the heart of what we're trying to figure out anyway, which is who no. drafted the most surplus value or I auctioned agree. it okay uh yeah so we'll, we'll work on that again if you have ideas uh tweet us at, at spore at paul castava that's k-a-s-t-a-v-a uh for the last name let's move over to first base because i think this is a really interesting market too it's not as yes, star studded but it, it, it's it's it has the one star and if people don't want him uh, if teams don't want him and that's edwin Encarnacion they can look elsewhere and get some reasonable bats. And so the, the, the chief pieces here are Encarnacion, Mark Trumbo, Mike Napoli, and Chris Carter. Now, right off the bat, the best part of the offseason so far, and it might be the most underrated piece, is the fact that the Colorado Rockies need a first baseman. And that's yes, sexy do. because you got these four guys out there and I don't think that they're going to go for Encarnacion and I don't, I don't necessarily think they should. I don't think that would be their best allocation of funds. Um, even though they could use a right-handed bat to go with Arenado and Story and Lomay here and then the rest are lefties. It wouldn't be, I, I don't think I'd kill them for it if they signed like a three year, you know, just a really lucrative deal. Just, but only, only say, three years i think he wants four you say no no we'll give you three but we'll kind of overpay you you come pad the hell out of your numbers in colorado i don't think i'd kill him for it but i don't think it's the best use of their money so they're going to be looking at a trumbo a napoli or maybe a recently non-tendered chris carter so let's talk about this market here uh we'll get back to colorado in a minute that's just a little taste of of what they're dealing with i want to focus on encarnacion first because obviously that's where everybody's head's at we see Houston sign Carlos Beltran, 
and the Yankees signed Matt Holiday, and that curbs two of his biggest markets. Do you think that both of those teams are out of the Edwin and Canarcion market? Houston, yes. Yankees, maybe. Well, and I say Yankees, yes, also, because I'm hearing that they're willing to work with Bird and Austin to kind of um, platoon it. Or see who wins out the job. Yeah. Almost. Well, they love Bird. Like when when his shoulder got hurt, like I think he was going to push some playing time away from Teixeira this year. To be honest, um, had he stayed healthy, and he got hurt in seat or in the preseason and never never took an at bat. So I think they like him coming back. And if he's healthy, that's the piece. Like they're they're completely fine leaving him at first for most of the at bats because uh, he's a left hander. You can probably fake Holiday at first for a little bit here and there. And then on those days against a lefty, you put Holiday at first and you can kind of uh, finagle different guys in at, at the DH spot there. So I, I, I don't know if either team is really interested, but I would say the Yankees way more than Houston. I think Houston's actually um, out. I don't see it. Right now they have Yulieskin Gurriel and Roster Resource penciled in at first base. Yes, he can play some outfield, but they just signed Reddick and, and Aoki. And I know that both of them are platoon bats, but they also have Jake Marisnik, who they can platoon out there. So I don't know. I just I just don't see it with Houston. I see more of the Yankees. So if you're going to say the Yankees are have like one foot in, where else are you putting him, Paul? Where the hell is Encarnacion going to go? So, so- my main ones that I'm thinking of is Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia has a great need for him with Tommy Joseph gone. They have so many young players. You mean Ryan Howard gone. I think Tommy Joseph's still there. But, but That's what I mean. Tommy Joseph's there with Ryan Howard gone. But Tommy Joseph should not be your starting first base. Tommy Joseph is no Edwin Canarcion. Like Tommy Joseph had a nice season. He's bounced back from some major concussion issues. He's a, he's a good piece to have. And obviously they're going to want to keep him uh, around, but he does not need to be your, your, your super starter. He had 248 with a 774 OPS against righties. He crushed the lefties, 912 OPS, 281 batting average. I think you can work him in against lefties. The problem is I don't know that Joseph can play anywhere else and neither can Encarnacion. So you are kind of creating a little bit of a log jam there. Yeah, but Joseph Joseph had a lot of power, but his plate discipline was terrible. If you're living with Joseph and you think he's your development project, leave him as a bench player. If you can get in Canarcion, Joseph's a bench bat. Be happy with that. The guy should be happy he's in the pros after all the injuries he dealt with and all the craziness with the eye stuff or the concussions he had. He had the concussion problem. Mm-hmm. He sh- that. Incarnacion would be perfect for their long-term plan because I'd give him four years, four years, and let the team grow with him. And they're they're spending. I mean, all their players are on their in their contracts. It seems like well, uh, their pitching staff. I mean, the only guy getting paid is Hellickson for whatever reason. Exactly. Well, and here's something that that people have to remember about about up and coming teams. You don't want to clog a bunch of 30-year-olds on an up-and-coming team, obviously, but you can't have all 22-year-olds either. Like it, It's okay to have a stud veteran somewhere if you if you have a centerpiece bat that you can kind of build that lineup around. Encarnacion's skills look like they're going to age brilliantly, too. I know that he's older, and especially those of us on the fantasy side, we get a little, you know, you're, you're, you're great at it. You freak out if anybody has a three in front of their age. Uh, that's particularly <laughs> in Madden when we play Madden and build franchises. Yeah. But you're definitely a huge ageist. But you look at the skills that he's 
putting out there in Canarsione. His strikeout spiked a little bit this year to a career high 20%, but even 20% for a slugger is pretty damn good when you consider that his swinging strike rate actually didn't go up. So I bet he probably goes back closer to a 16% strikeout rate, and he has 13, 13, 11, 12, and 12 on his walk rate. With the power, he is a stud like if he stays healthy, and that's the biggest if, of course, with any older player, but let's just assume a modicum of health that allows him to play at least 145 games a year, you should feel very confident about the way Edwin Encarnacion is going to hit in his mid-30s. Now, in fantasy value, if he goes to um, Philly, think of him having a Chris Carter-like season last year. With the well, RBI well, except for the batting average, but you're talking about the RBIs versus home runs. The RBIs, the home runs will still be the you know maybe even more home runs, but the runs and RBIs will take a significant drop, which is a big part of what made Encarnacion such a valuable asset. Uh, that that Toronto team, that Toronto lineup, th- those those Donaldson too putting up 120 on each side. Um, even even Batista not playing all year put up 68 and 69, nice uh, in 116 games with his runs and RBIs. Josh Donaldson went 122 this year on runs, 99 ribbies. Last year it was 122, 122. So yeah, that this year for Encarnacion, 99 runs, 127 ribbies. You're not going to emulate that in Philly. So that's that's definitely a downside. But I th- but- I, I think you're on to something. I, I don't think I think that would be a much better deployment of their resources than than the closer piece. I don't know that I- they would get in on the closers as we were talking earlier. But I could definitely see this with Encarnacion. I don't think it would be crazy. The other ones I see is we were ta- and we were talking about this yesterday. St. Louis. Yep. Because St. Louis hasn't you know they have some money. It seems like they should spend some money. And they're kind of they're kind of done with lineup. Matt Adams. And you can move Matt Carpenter back over to third, and then let Jerko just kind of bounce around. And let Jericho play second. I mean, Colton. I think Colton Wong is kind of, the, unless I miss something in the second half, his time seems to be kind of running out as a prospect. He's, and he, anything he's certainly on. He's certainly on thin ice in terms of chances. He does not have that prospect sheen anymore to the point where they can say, "Oh, we decided anyway to Canarsione because of Colton Wong." And you're right. So they could even move Carpenter just to second himself, leave Jericho at third. Either way, they could create some flexibility for themselves. Now, the one pushback I would give on St. Louis is I think they would want to sign like a Dexter Fowler first. And I don't know if they're going to do two big moves, but I think center fielder is probably a bigger um, ask for them right now, bigger need to fill. But man, Edwin and Canarcion, could you? Everyone seems to get a little boost in St. Louis, right? It's not because of the park; it's just something happens out there. Usually, it's because they have a good lineup. But St. Louis just seems to bring the best out of players, and I could I could certainly see him raking there. And I I don't know that he would lose much from what he did in Toronto, even though again it's not even the same kind of park. I think he would still hit like. 37 to 45 home, uh, to 42 homers with 100 and 100. Yep. And that would be for your fantasy value, that's a really That'd nice That'd be nasty. That's a nice lineup for him. He has protection in there. The Cardinals hit the second most home runs last year, so there's power. You surprised really me with that nice one yesterday lineup. by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was surprised. That's crazy. I was crazy. surprised mid-season when I heard that they had that many home runs, but it seemed like I got, I had a few guys on some fantasy teams and they kept hitting bo- bombs all the time. It was crazy. Any dark horses? Um, well, I have a third team. Would be Colorado. I think it would be in it too. Yeah, I mean, so we started talking maybe about them. Dark, maybe they, they're my dark horse because I don't think they'll spend that money, but they should. 
Because where else are they spending money? The pitching staff's young. Their lineup's young. They haven't really allocated that many resources. Arenado not getting got, paid yet. He, then, those guys aren't getting paid yet. I know they got to pay him at some point. But like you said, if they get him three or four years, Colorado could be a real force if they get a guy like Encarnacion and the pitching staff pitches halfway decent through the year. Now, would you trade? Someone, would you go through with trying to trade Carlos Gonzalez and get Edwin Encarnacion, or do you try to keep Gonzalez around and and add Encarnacion to that? Because that's where they're. That's the one spot where they're spending. He's going to make twenty mil this year, but nobody else is making more than eight mil, and that's Gerardo Parra. Hilariously, is their second yeah, highest you, paid player. You definitely trade Carlos. I think you definitely, if you can, trade Gonzalez because then you put Parra in the outfield. Oh, pardon me. Blackman and Nolan Arenado are both in arbitration, and they're slated to make nine and thirteen mil respectively. But even them, even those two are bargains based on what they're, you know, what what they would make on the open market. So I was reading, I was misreading uh, Baseball Reference there. Sorry about that. So you, if you put in, if you slot, if we slot in um, Incarnacion, who I don't think is going to be the guy, the next guy we're going to talk about, I think will be. Um, then you have Dahl, Blackman, and Parr in your outfield. With Story, Arenado, and Lemayhu. That's trading. LeMahieu. That's trading Gonzalez, right? You're you're trading that's cargo. Trading okay. That's still a really good lineup. Hell outside yes. Colorado. Hell outside yes. Colorado, that's a good lineup. Yeah, I, I, I that would be sick. Like, obviously trade Gonzalez first because you don't want to be left holding the bag and not being able to trade him. But if you trade him for something that you really like. And then you sign in with Encarnacion. It'd be it. I wonder if there would be like mixed messages to the fans. They'd be like, oh, we traded Gonzalez because like we're rebuilding. And then we signed Edwin Encarnacion and we're paying him <laughs> 20-something mil. But maybe their their messaging is, listen, we can only afford one 20-something mil guy per year right now. We traded Gonzalez because we knew we could get something for him. It was the last year of his deal. We know he's beloved. But, hey, we weren't going to resign him. We moved him. We improved the team. We got Encarnacion. So we still have that centerpiece to go with Arenado like that that devastating power in the middle to go with Dahl and Blackman up top story. I love LeMahieu. What he was able to do this year was, was sick. It would still be a devastating lineup, but I agree with you. They're the dark horse. I got one other dark horse before we move on to the next guy. Who do you got? Seattle. Jerry DePoto out here trading everybody. I understand he's a big time trader, but it's a new regime. They can say, listen, let's spend some money. We didn't spend the Robinson Cano money. Not that it didn't work, by the way. That's the thing, too. You can look back and say, when the last time we the last time we spent big, it, it, it's working. Uh, Robinson Cano has been excellent. Uh, the one down period that he had was uh, clearly excused by an intestinal issue that he overcame in the in the midst of that season and bounced back. And so now you're looking at his seasons with Seattle are 142, 117, and 138 OPS plus. And so, yeah, that 117 st- stuck out. That was bad start, great finish. And then this year was a total Canoean level season. Like he looked like Yankees Cano this year. So I don't even know that you have to be gun shy about spending based on the most recent spend because Cano's there. Now that might hamstring it and they don't want to, they say that we don't want a right side of our infield that costs that much. That I could understand. But again, we're talking dark horse here. What if they say, we don't trust Dan Vogelbach. Let's get Edwin Arcanarcio on there. Plus, they have tons of lefties. It gives them a second righty to go with uh, Nelson Cruz. Okay, my pushback for that would be if I'm the Mariners and I need to allocate money, I'm allocating to the outfield because I I, I, I personally trust Vogelbach. I think he's going to be a very good hitter. My pushback is you're stupid. That's your pushback? Yep. 
You sound like Stephen A. right now. I know. So have, I know. No, uh, that's actually not my, my, my pushback is, uh, you're right about the outfield. I don't trust Vogelbach the way you do. I need to see something, but I agree that, uh, right now, Ben Gamble and Seth Smith slated into the outfield. Don't love that. Uh, definitely needs, needs some work there. Now, I think that they will have a platoon set up for Seth Smith and that's, so that's totally fine. But Ben Gamble, I do not trust. Which outfielder would, well, actually, you know what? We're going to talk outfield after that. So we'll get, we'll get to that. Let's move over to Mark Trumbo because I think that's who you want to put out in Colorado. So let's cut to the chase there. And I don't think it's, you put him in Colorado. Let's get it done with. This is not going to be a Mark Reynolds situation where you had no, no, no. He's better than Mark Reynolds right now. He's so much better. He had, what he hit off 42 last year, I think. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I've never been a huge Trumbo guy, but I, it's very clear that current 47. day Trumbo, who at 47 led baseball, is better than Mark Reynolds was when they got him last year. You're right. This is not a Mark Reynolds situation at all. No, he, he, and here's what's really surprising about Trumbo to me, to be honest. I was, I was thinking, like, if he goes to Colorado, wow, I wonder if he'll get some home run, like, milestones. You know, he only has 178 home runs so yeah, far. Yeah, dude, because he hadn't been around that long. Like, he got a late start. He's kind of a late bloomer. He's he's a late bloomer. I couldn't believe. I thought he was a guy he'd have two, you know, and he over two hundred. Well, he kind of. I mean, he had that he had that bad season in twenty fourteen. He basically had a lost season. He only hit fourteen in a half season. And when you don't start until you're twenty five, you can't really afford to miss half of a season in terms of staying on pace to be some. You know, he's not going to reach five hundred. Not likely that that's for sure. Um, but he could, you know, maybe chase down four hundred. But it, it, it gets made harder when you miss a half season. And then last year, he kind of languished too. 22 homers is not something that, you know, again, if you're going to make a late run at 400, you got to kind of be 30 plus every season going. So Trumbo, let's say Trumbo signs a four-year deal somehow, right? Okay. God, that would be, that'd be filthy out there. Like I know, I know he's not a great defender, but I've actually heard that um, from like an eye test standpoint, people who watched him say that his first base defense really isn't that bad. It's just his outfield. That's bad. His outfield defense, according to war was that I knew, but I didn't, I didn't even know that his first, if his first base is passable, that's fine. Cause I don't, I don't want him in the outfield anyway. That's completely fine. There's no, so what, okay. Weird scenario. What if they trade Carlos Gonzalez? And then and sign, sign Trumbo and Encarnacion. Well, then you're putting Trumbo in the out. That'd be crazy. You can't do that. But that lineup. But then no, you're just, you can't. You're but, saying we don't have any defense now. Like yeah, that's gonna, yeah, that's crazy. That. Because you're gonna put you can't put Mark Trumbo in the Colorado outfield. The one thing that and, and our listeners know this, but but just in case you don't. It's not – the Coors is known for the home runs. I get it. But the real devastation, the reason that that park is yeah. so crazy is the base hits that it allows. And it's because that outfield is super expansive because they had to make it bigger to try to curb some of the home runs. If they made it kind of normal dimensions, then there'd be even more homers and it would just be ridiculous. But the fact is they tried to make it a little bit spacious out there and there's some crazy alleys. You need people who can play defense out there. I don't think you can put you can't. I don't. I wasn't comfortable with Trumbo and Camden. I'm sure as hell not going to be comfortable with him out in Coors. So no, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that. And say that cannot happen. You can sign one of them, and the Encarnacion one, like I said, would be a little bit of a tough conversation because he just traded the centerpiece. To, but Trumbo to, can happen with Gonzalez. I think Trumbo can happen, and you keep Gonzalez. You move Para back to fourth outfielder where he probably belongs. And now, so if you sign, so what? How many years do you think he gets there? If he if he signs, I, it's gonna be three to four. 
It's going to be a three to okay. four year deal. Let's say four. How many home runs is he hit in four years? In four years, I think he's going to hit 138. Really? Yeah. Oh, I was – man, I'm thinking like 150 to 180. Okay. So I'm I'm under I'm saying that's an average of 35 a year. You're closer to 40 a year. Yeah, like 180 is my height. Like if okay. he absolutely destroys it, I say 180. Low end, I say 150. That's, you know what? He did just hit 40. Here's the thing. If the environment stays the way it is offensively with the homers that we saw, you're right. I, I undersold it. I undersold it. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump up and say that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna get in that one 150, 160 range as well. For 40 a year. That's a nice that's a nice keeper in fantasy if you have like those three to four year contracts. Well, especially because in Coors, his batting average is protected. You're likely not going to get yep. another two thirty the way he did in 2013 and 2015, uh, 2013 2014. Excuse me, when he hit two thirty three, two thirty five. Like you're protected from that in Coors to where his low end is probably closer to what this year was, which was two fifty six. And then you're even getting some high end built in to where he could maybe even give you a sneak tip. 280 year and that's that's everything going right but like a two, if you get 280 45 out of trumbo game over man that, and, that, and the pitches and the pitches he struggles with are, are with movement which is most hitters well most hitters struggle with movement. they're not gonna now move in dealing, coors they're not gonna move in coors so now you're dealing with more straighter stuff so i, I just see if he signs there so now in fantasy in a 12 team mixed league do you go as high as third round for him? If he goes to Colorado, um, yeah, I, re- I bump him up devastatingly high. Yes, I, I move him second. way up. Probably not second. I think there's enough guys in the second round. I'm kind of looking at the board from from Arizona right now. For example, I took Joey Votto in the second round. I'm still going to go with Votto personally, uh, but that's probably just my Votto fetish. And it's but, an OBP league, right? Uh, no, it's 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 just average. It's just standard okay. five by five. But I, I I'm thinking third, fourth round for sure. For sure. Okay. Let me look where he went, even in this draft, because it's. Uh, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess seventh. Mark Trumbo. Problem is, I got to figure out if he's gonna be an orange sticker or a green. Okay, eighth round. Mark okay. Trumbo went. So, by the way, the team fourteen, you might have gotten a major deal here. You're holding your fingers crossed as tight as you can that he goes out to Colorado, because then you got an eighth round Mark Trumbo in Colorado. Oh my gosh, that's insane! And his value, I think, is is doubled or halved however you want to say it i think he's at least a fourth rounder at that point and like i said i'm probably boosting him like i'm the last two years here i'm i'm going crazy on coors in that i'm i'm finally giving it its due i i we all know that it's valuable but i don't think i gave it its full due in past seasons of what coors actually does for players and i'm talking good quality players and mark trumbo is a quality power bat he has flaws in his game there's no two ways around it but he's a high quality power bat you put him out in that environment game freaking over so yeah and another place that i think he could land which would be really nice this is only if they're and i think they have the money because i think they're like the dodgers boston could use a dh because they're Sin running Hall, out. They, yeah, they, they, they haven't said they, what, what are they going to do yet with DH, and, and I don't know if they got Sandoval. Farrell said they're going to use multiple guys. Okay, and a lot of teams like, like to do that, guys. though. But if you got a guy like Trumbo, who if he doesn't sign with Colorado, and he's still available, him with the in the with that left field porch, just popping popping uh, shots off the monster all day, and then over the monster, yeah. 
that's yeah. a that's a nice park. For that him. still works. That that's now I actually think their ne- this next guy is more likely for them a reunion with Mike Napoli. I feel like is a little bit more likely for Boston uh, because. I do too. They've seen him. They know that they can trust him to play some first if Hanley has to sh- shift over to DH. Um, I don't know if they would still stick him out in left field. It's been a while since I think uh, Napoli's messed around in the outfield. I think that would be a rough one. Yeah, I don't think you want to you want to do any of that. And of course, Hanley's not going to go back out there. But if they if they do want to sign somebody who's a, becomes a primary DH, I think Napoli could be the guy. But let's talk about where 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 he might go. Let's go ahead. So we got Trumbo. In Coors, we got Encarnacion. You're putting him in Philly, right? Yeah, I'm saying Philly's going to spend the money on him. I didn't really decide exactly where I'm putting him because I don't know that we can rule out him going back to Toronto. Okay. And and we didn't bring that up. I guess I should have because they, you know, they did just you don't get... trust Justin Smoke. Oh no, I don't trust Justin Smoke. If you can believe it or not, after 42 <laughs> years of drafting him in fantasy to be the next Mark Teixeira, I don't trust Justin Smoke. How crazy am I? Yeah, that's uh, weird. Yeah, I don't trust a 30-year-old Justin Smoke who has um, 2,887 plate appearances of 95 OPS plus, aka oh, sub average, below average, <laughs> I should say. Uh, so yeah, I don't. So I'm gonna say I think Toronto's still in it. Oh God, I don't know where I'm going to put him. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. I'm going to put him back in Toronto. I'm going to be lazy right now. I'm just going to put him back in Toronto. I'm surprised you didn't put him in Texas because you were talking about that yesterday. Te- that is one, and we didn't bring that one up either. I should have I should have copied the notes from yesterday. Like when we were talking, I didn't know we were going to talk about this on the pod, so I should have brought up some yeah. notes. Um, yes, I'll actually shift. I'm going to put him back back in Texas, ladies and gentlemen. Edwin Encarnacion. Has, I believe he was a Texas farmhand. But it's Justin Smoke's birthday. Happy birthday, Justin Smoke. Oh, happy birthday, Justin Smoke. I don't awesome. think he yeah. actually um, – I, I think he was in the – yeah, he started with Texas, Ed, and Canarcion did. So many, how did he get in Cincinnati? Many moons ago. He was part of maybe the Travis Hafner deal. I don't know. I'm looking it up right now. Hang on. Let's see. Do, 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 do. He was – oh, no, dude. He got traded with Ruben Mateo. To Cincinnati for Rob Bell. Do you Rob even Bell? remember Rob Bell? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't even remember what position he played. He was a pitcher, and he was a mad scrub, dude. Like, yeah, mad scrubby. Career wow. 571 ERA in 686 innings. This was not a cup of coffee. This was 108 starts and another 40 relief appearances and he popped a 571 i know it was in the early 2000s so you give him a little bit of leeway but a 571 was still an 81 era plus he was still 20 percent worse than the league and that's what they traded uh with ruben mateo who i remember being an uber prospect he never panned out but he was supposed to be the deal i'm looking his baseball reference up right now i bet he showed up yeah baseball america had him as high as six on their prospect list. He was a three-time top 20 prospect, 17, 9, and 6. And Ruben Mateo never panned out. So, Was that I, the Johnny Oates days in Texas? Probably, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a little dark period. So, okay, I'm going to go ahead and put in Canarcion there. We're going to put, um, we're putting Trumbo and Coors. Napoli. Napoli, I'll give... I kind of I, I was thinking Boston as well. I think he might go back to Cleveland. 
I could still, I, I, that's hardly out of the question, by the way, for anybody that's thinking that that's out of the question. Cause right now they have Michael Brantley penciling at DH probably because of his injury issues. But if he comes back, he's still going to play the outfield. Abraham Amante and, and honestly, none of their outfielders are blocking anybody as far as I'm concerned. Cause well, I am not sold on are. Naquin. What's that? They shouldn't be if they are. That's no, no. Problem. I'm not sold on Naquin, and then Chisenhall and Almonte are definitely not blocking anybody. So Brantley's going to go back to the outfield. You could get a situation where you have Napoli and Santana sharing the first base DH spot. I agree with you. I think that they're very much in play to just bring him right back and let him go back to dominating and run it back with that team. That was a damn good team, and he was certainly a big part of it, not just off uh, on the field either. He was a big part of it off the field, and we've seen Napoli do this consistently. He's definitely one of those handful of guys that you can have a real tangible feel of what they do in a clubhouse as a positive effect. And so I think uh, I, I like that. I'm going to actually just go with you on that and say that he's going to go to Cleveland. A couple other teams, um, I could see, you know, same same thing with Seattle. I mentioned them. If they don't want to spend the big bucks on um, – on, on an Encarnacion. I don't think they go back to the Trumbo well, although it's a different regime. I think that maybe there's just a little bit too, too much sourness with that brief stint that they had with Trumbo. I could see them going Napoli though. So I'll put Seattle on my list as well as a potential Napoli spot. Minnesota is also another one on my list. I think you get a guy like Napoli for the right price. I like that. I, then, then do you put Maurer full-time DH or Napoli is the full-time DH and Maurer plays first. Exactly, and, okay. and, and then if Mauer needs a day off, you got Napoli to play. You know, play first. You put Mauer at DH. Whatever you want to do. All right, you one one more. Your boyfriend, Chris My Carter, boyfriend. and that's your boy. Uh, you, you had a bold prediction on him. It almost came to fruition. They yeah, thought they thought so little of your boy that they just flat out cut his cut ass it. after leading the NL in home runs. Unbelievable, <laughs> dude! Tough crowd, man. <laughs> Pop 41 <laughs> bombs, 94 ribbies. Yeah, he struck out 206 times and hit an ugly 222. I get it. Like, there's flaws. But damn, you do not expect. Here's the thing, you know, I, I don't think we always think about this. And, and why would we? It doesn't necessarily affect our lives. But, like, there's a large contingent of, of ball players that their life, their winter is is – tense you know it's not you know you're not quite kluber and verlander and miggy sitting at home knowing that you're gonna be the dude and you have nothing to worry about because you're raking in money i don't know why i thought of those two pitchers first and then miggy but like trout you know the superstars that just get to sit home say hey i get a month off then i gotta get back to work whatever They, they can map everything out there's a large contingent of players that are like i could get dfa'd i could get traded i could just get flat out cut and Carter, though, had to be thinking that after a 41-homer season, oh, I'm not going to get cut. Maybe they bring somebody into platoon with me, but I feel like I'm pretty good here in Milwaukee. Designated for assignment. Designated for assignment. So the team, I think he's going to go to because I think a lot of teams are worried about his low average. He's got to come back to the AL, right? Got to come to the AL. Okay. I think it's Tampa Bay. This, this, it, it's such a Tampa Bay move, it's not even funny. And I think Eno and I actually discussed this. I'm going to be having a pod with Jason later tonight, which is weird because it'll come out before this, uh, this yeah, one. Yeah, he'll probably say this. But no, I'm, I'm going to actually broach it with him. I'm going to say Paul and I discussed this. What, what do you yeah. think? Because uh, like I said, Eno and I briefly touched on it. It's such a Tampa Bay move. I'm not even going to dispute it. I don't even know that we need to talk about other candidates. He's going to Tampa Bay, right? Like what else is there for them to do? 
This yeah, is so Tampa Bay. Brad Miller and Nick Franklin at first in DH. Like, get out of here. You LOL and Nick Franklin at DH. That DH. dude's a utility infielder. Come on. Yeah, like he if he's your DH, this is like a perfect fit for a DH, an organization that needs another power bat. Yep. Like now and now that their lineup could be like maybe we solid. could call it solid. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Like you're not loving this lineup, but it, it's it's typical Tampa Bay Rays though. They have their centerpiece, it's the same centerpiece they've always had, Longoria, and then around it you have a bunch of guys who you're hoping that live in the like 98 to 112 OPS range. So to slightly below average to just above. So that you add it all up and it ends up being an above average team, right? And above, like Bill James talks about this. Average everywhere is good. And so Longoria will be above average and he'll pull a couple of slackers up. Uh, Kiermeyer will be above average in, in total value. It won't necessarily be from the bat, but it will be from his defense. Logan Forsyth, you can pretty much count on him probably to be plus value with the bat. And then you kind of sh- let it all shake out with the other guys. Chris Carter, you know, despite the flaws that he had, was a 114 OPS plus. He's actually never been below in the times that he's gotten real samples. Now, he had a 46 PA uh, plate appearance season back in 2011, and he was minus 12 OPS plus. We don't, like, that doesn't count. That, that's nothing. But since 2012, when he's had 260 plate appearances, and then every other year he's had 585, 572, 460, and 644, he's ranged from 102 to 139. So he's been a plus bat. This is such a Tampa Bay player. Again, it's not even funny, dude. It's it's too perfect. They're they're gonna get him. These ISOs from 2012. Those ISOs are out of control. He the lowest ISO he's had since 2012. Is a 227 mark. Oh my in god! 2013. Wait, so his is his career, average? Is his ISO higher than his average? It is, right? Oh yeah, by far. <laughs> his, his career average is 218. His career ISO is 245. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I love it. But yeah, I, I I think Tampa Bay is the obvious fit, and I just don't know that we really need to go any further. I mean it. Wouldn't it be fun if Colorado signed him? I mean, that I think that he might be a backup plan if they can't get one of the others. Because I also think that they would look at Napoli. I honestly, I, I think we're pipe dreaming it a little bit with Encarnacion if we if we step back and really be honest. Because yeah. Trumbo and Napoli exist, it almost that's almost the reason to not get Encarnacion. Yeah, it would be fun and he's better than them. But from a, a dollars to production standpoint, is he, is he going to be that much better than Trumbo and Napoli if you put them in the same spot? I don't think so. So I think they, I think they definitely get one of those two because they haven't had a first baseman since Helton left, and it's only been a few years. But they have not found a regular solution there. And I think Napoli or Trumbo each gives them like a three-year option that they can start to lean on as they continue to build this thing. I, I think that's very fair. And yeah, and and then you could platoon Carter and Parra. Yep, exactly. At I, first, I, exactly. So. Um, I, I think I think it, I think that if they can't get Trumbo or Napoli, then they would get in on the Carter sweepstakes for sure out in Colorado. All right, Paul. But yeah, no, I think Tampa's it. I want to talk outfield because I think it's another yep. uh, another interesting market here. It's not loaded. We we know that this whole market isn't loaded, and I didn't include trade pieces here because I I think it's too wide open to really get a handle on the one that we know obviously is that McCutcheon's on the market. So we are just going to focus on the free agents right now, but we still have Dexter Fowler on the market. Ian Desmond, Carlos Gomez, and Jose Bautista. So four legitimate names, though none of them instantly comes in and you say they're automatically a game changer. Even Fowler, coming off of a great season, 
a, no team is building around him, right? They're bringing him in to be like a number one or number two hitter, but not a middle of the order hitter. And you could also say, listen, if he fell back to like a 790 OPS, that'd be 50 points lost off of this year. You wouldn't be surprised, right? I mean, he has a 788 career mark, and that's playing half of his career in Colorado. So I don't think it's a guarantee that Fowler is like some major bat, but he's the, he's the cream of this crop. And so let's start with with placing him. I, like I said, I'm picking St. Louis for that. I think they're going to address center field before they would ever like look at first base or anything. So I'm going with St. Louis. Where do you think uh, Dexter Fowler might go? Um, I would have said Baltimore if not for the whole snafu last year. I yeah, think he's a good fit I, I think that bridge is is burned when the, he was signed, sealed, and delivered allegedly. And then he's like, "No, I'm not. I'm going to go win a World Series, you dummies." Yeah, I think Toronto is a is a nice fit for him. I like that. I can get I behind like Toron- that because I think he's he provides stability at the leadoff spot because they they constantly have these low BP guys leading off the lineup. They tried, you know, they tried Batista, but then they really. They kind of got torn between we need his power back in the lineup. They, they, they've messed with like Tulo there, which is a little bit of a weird fit. They tried yeah. Pilar, who was like kind of an old school top of the order guy just because he was a center fielder who was fast. It didn't really work. And and, and then you could put Fowler in left. Pierce at, You could put Toons Pierce at first with smoke or kind of use Pierce as that super utility again because he smashes lefties. Yes. Because um, I, I don't think you want to live with Steve Pierce in left field right now. Well, I don't know that he's he does. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily an everyday player. So I, I agree. I think Pierce is is there to be a primarily against lefties, um, and then you can you can slot him in here and there against righties. Ezekiel Carrera is currently slotted into right though, so I, I think there's still room for Pierce if you prefer him on certain days. Maybe you start Pierce and then you bring Ezekiel Carrera in as a defensive replacement in the seventh inning. I like that. I, I think that works, but I I, I definitely think Fowler. Depending on what the money is, and Fowler's looking, I think, at about eighteen for about four years each. Okay. Or no, eighteen each for four years. Eight, yeah, yeah. So what is that? Eight, like eighteen years two? for four mil each. How about that? A- eighteen year deal? I'm just kidding. So kind be, of a Bobby Mia deal. Exactly. That'd be four seventy two for Fowler. Four seventy two. That's not bad. No, that's not at all. I think that to- um, I think that totally works. Um, I like that. I think I think both teams that we just named are very much in the thick yep. of it. Um, and, and I think they're probably the two biggest candidates for his services right now. And of course, you know, everything comes back to Washington. If that deal completely falls through, I don't think it will. They become players for Fowler too, though. And because then you can oh, still yeah. move Trey Turner back to short. It's the same thing that you do with McCutcheon. You move Trey Turner back to short, you put Fowler in center, bing, bang, boom, you're going. The next guy we're going to talk about, I think in Washington is going to happen. Um, well, the order of the sheet or the order I set them because I said them differently than I. Oh, wrote you said them. them differently. Okay, the order of the sheet. That's what I was thinking. Carlos about. Gomez. Carlos Gomez. Dude, if he could rebirth in in Washington with that lineup, I he still love Carlos half. Gomez. Yeah, he did, he had, and I, I, he had I'm a good still second in. Second half. He had a better second half. If they don't get McCutcheon, he's a really nice fit because, like you said. Now you put Trey Turner at second. Espinosa becomes a utility player. That's a nice outfield with Gomez, Worth, and Harper. It's not as strong as McCutcheon, but that's a good lineup. That's I don't know. I, bet, I think nice Gomez's lineup. defense is well, – offensively, it's not as strong as McCutcheon, but defensively, I think it's actually stronger. 
because I think Gomez's defense right now is better than McCutcheon's. That's kind of one of the knocks on McCutcheon is that his defense is falling off a little bit, and you might have to move him to left next year when Worth is gone. To your point about the second half, he didn't play a full second half. He only got 33 games with Texas, um, which is essentially – I mean, I think he had some of his second half in Houston, but we're kind of cutting the season between Houston and Texas. 594 OPS with Houston, 905 with Texas. It was only 130 plate appearances, but he really looked like the guy that we were used to. The guy with the quick bat uh, who could just mash it. You know, he's still, he still had a swing and miss. He's always going to have that, and it's not going to get any better in his 30s. But Carlos Gomez uh, got back to his pop, even ran a little bit. It wasn't efficient. It was five for eight, but he was, but he was running a bit more, and the defense remained strong. I think Gomez's struggles always come down to nagging injuries. I think this is a guy that when healthy is still a stud. I don't think he's the type of guy who is just going to forget how to play. Usually I think it's a body ailment that has him on the downside. So I think he was just battling nagging injuries in Houston. And that's what caused him to be so crappy with them. How, how Imagine that happening is that the Nats... All right, so they miss out on two of their guys last year for second base. They miss out on Phillips and Zobrist. Mm-hmm. And as a consolation prize, they signed they Daniel Murphy. Settle, quote unquote, settle with Murphy. Who has a monster here. <laughs> MVP caliber. Then, this year, again, say they miss out on Fowler, miss out on McCutcheon, and they say, all right, we signed Gomez. And then he has another monster. That'd game. be awesome. Like that. That would just no. Be... That would be terrible for me. I'd hate well, yeah. That you would. You, as a Mets fan, you would absolutely hate that. But I, I like seeing Washington succeed. Um, yeah, I just like a lot of players on their team: Rendon, Harper, Strasburg, Scherzer. I know you do. Uh, yeah, I do. I do, and it bothers you, and I love it because you're you're such a <laughs> Mets fan. I actually like a lot of players on your team, though, and I I often I will root for your team if I have no rooting interest in a game. I was hoping they would beat the stupid Giants. Thankfully, the Giants didn't win the uh, the World Series oh, game. Because if dude, if they had won the World Series again, would we have just had to leave the country and stop being would, baseball fans? Yeah, we, I'd have to leave Twitter because the even year stuff from Mason would have never ended. Oh, Justin Mason would have never shut the hell up about that. He still it, never it shuts never the end. hell up. But imagine no. if he had ammo. Imagine if we gave him something to actually talk about, then he would really never shut the hell up. I hope he's listening. I really do. Tweet I, us, bro. I really too. Come at us, yeah. bro. Come at us. All right, Come so we got Gomez in Washington. I like that. Um, that that that's your sneak tip if they don't get McCutcheon right. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, obviously, anybody that we save for Fowler, they got to be in on Gomez too for the same reasons. If they don't get him, so I guess we could say that our primary candidates are St. Louis and Toronto to get one of those two each, right? Because could you see Gomez yeah. going to Toronto if Fowler goes out to St. Louis? Um, would he be? I'm trying to look at what fam. The problem is, doesn't Fam? Oh no, they could they could platoon him with Fam. Okay. Yeah, Fam's a lefty, so he anybody uh, if Fowler's quickly. a switch hitter, of course, so he can go either, either side there. But with Gomez, he's a righty. They have Fam, and if they want to still work Fam in. That that would be fine. Um, but the fact of it is, if Gomez is on, he's a full time guy. I'm also hearing Gerard Dyson getting tied to St. Louis. So have fun with that guy. That's kind of a St. Louis move, though. I know it's so St. Like that is kind of a St. Louis move to get so Gerard Dyson, dude. Gerard Dyson, like, hey man, I'm I'm glad that you made the career that you've made, but like, you you don't hit at all, man. That, that, it annoys no. me. I don't know why. I, like, I should, I should be happy for him because he's he's become like he's putting together like he's going to end up with a ten year career. You know, he'll play another three years. He's got seven parts of seven seasons right now, including foolish 
over the last five seasons. He never has full plate appearances, but he's been on the team for the entire year since 2012. He's going to put together like a 10-year career just from being a speedy defender, and that's pretty cool. So I should give him some love there, but I hate putting him on my fantasy team because all he does is stolen bases, and he's like actively hurting you everywhere else. Yeah, like not enough power – like it, that it's a negative. Yes. Any counting category, any like incremental counting that you're getting helps, but each roster position needs to get X amount of ribbies and runs and homers. And he is a giant zero there to the point where you have to excel elsewhere. And I think people forget about that when they get these sorts of guys. Uh, Rajay Davis used to be like this when he was a part-time player this year, he's pretty good. He gave you eight home. Uh, I think it was actually a double digit homers um, along with some decent runs and RBIs totals that could pass while you were getting 43 stone bases. Yeah. He had 74 runs, 12 homers, 43 stolen bases, 48 ribbies. That's a leadoff hitter. You're not really expecting that. But the runs and homers were actually passable this year to where it actually afford to have them. But Dyson just doesn't do that. Same thing with like a Ben Revere, who is also kind of an annoying player that it, it, it's, it's just too deficient. So I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Um, we got to move on. Last two guys here, Ian Desmond and Jose Bautista. Desmond, I think, and I haven't heard anybody talk about it, I think he could still be signed as a shortstop, though. I don't think his shortstop days are necessarily over, Paul. Okay, that's in- – well, how about him rejecting the qualifying offer for the second straight year? Dude, I mean, hey, he bet on himself, though. He had a good enough season. I actually don't blame him this year. I, I don't, don't blame him this I don't want to do another one-year deal. I think – I think he could play short. I, you know what though? I see him going to the outfield, but I see, I don't see people giving him the years. He can't. Get, I don't see him getting the years. He can't get three years at thirty-one. He can be age thirty-one next year. How do he you not get? He, he couldn't get three years last year. Well, I mean, he was coming I know off he a, had a bad year. year. He was but coming he off a bad year. But he had good years before that, and these guys are smart enough to know that guys bounce back. Yeah, but. Here's the thing. If I'm a team and I'm negotiating, I'm still trying to get the best value possible. If we're at the negotiating table, I say, yeah, I'll give you one year. I'm not going to, but I've had three good years before that. I don't care. What did you do this pat? You know, yes, teams maybe realized that and maybe Texas was saying, yeah, we'll give them the one year eight, eight mil make good and maybe we can parlay that into something better. Obviously they're moving on from it. Although the, they could be back in on him, to be honest, right? We're, we're talking about some outfielders for them. They could just go ahead and say, well, you you did your free agency. You got to test the waters. You didn't find anything you like. How about you come back with us? Three years, thirty five mil or something like that. I'm bad with the numbers, by the way, y'all. So if if my dollars are utterly ridiculous, please let me know. I'm not great at at guesstimating those. Paul's better than that, better at that than me. You know where MLB Trade Rumors puts him? Your favorite team right now to put players on Washington? Um, not Washington, Philadelphia. They put him on Philly. Yeah. Now it, Galvis it was probably I think in in the outfield it was probably before they got Howie Kendrick and I don't but I don't think Howie Kendrick would automatically preclude them from from doing it still. No, they got space on their team. They got guys easily replaceable guys. So they, and I think I think it would be as like a center fielder shortstop. Like I think he could play both with them. That would be interesting. I don't know. That would be the team I like. Thinking of shortstop for him. Because outfield, I had a lot of trouble. I couldn't find a real nice fit for him. Just the same teams that we're talking about here, just as a musical chairs thing. I, I can't really find a new team. Uh, Shortstop, for though, him. you know who would be really fun? Who? The Pirates. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Get Jordy Mercer. You don't out love of there. Jordy Mercer? <laughs> 
Get him out of there. And the way they work with like positioning and stuff, maybe they could get him back to a higher level. Because I think there were there was there's been a time in his career where Desmond was seen as a positive shortstop. Oh I know yeah, that I, it, I was that his war and even in the outfield he wasn't negative really. No, no, no. He 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 transitioned well to the outfield, but I I know that the year before, like 2015, his defense was challenged, but it was more errors, and errors are not always a deficiency. Sometimes it's range. Now, there were a lot of throwing errors, so it it, it was problematic. I'm not going to try to wipe away his 2015 well, woes. In 2015, yeah, his defensive war, I'm going off of fan graphs, the defensive war went to 3.3, which is down from his other years, but he got crushed for war because he had a negative seven point one offensive WAR. Yeah, he just he just did not hit. He just he did hit it not all. hit, and that was after three excellent years. And so, yeah, you're right. Like the defense came down, but it was the offense that cratered for Ian Desmond. So that's an interesting one, and I. I'd be interested to see if they would want to do something like that. He's not an old guy. Like again, age 31, if you sign someone 31 through 33, three year deal. That's not, that's not terrible, but does it send a mixed message? If you go sign even, and I know it's not a huge name. It's not a massive contract, but if you go sign any sort of multi-year thing while you're trading McCutcheon, does that send the wrong, like, I, I know that all you care about is winning on the field, but do, do the optics of that, you know, the word of the of the now, do, do the optics of that look too bad for them to do it? No, I think they're if they sign him to a three or four year deal, they're still saying our window's here. It just might not be immediate. You know, it might not be this immediate thing. Exactly. I got the you team know, though. I got the team. No, I got the team. I got. Who the do team. you got? You ready? ready? Yeah. Giants. You gonna go play left field for the Giants? Ooh, that's not bad. They got Jared Parker out there right now, which is fine. I think he's a quality bench bat, Jared Parker can be. I don't know that you want him to start. Now, they're, I think they're kind of linked to my tags for uh, for J.D. Martinez, um, which I think would be better move, obviously, if you go J.D. Martinez, Denard Span, uh, Hunter Pence. But absent that, maybe they don't want to give assets. Maybe they would rather just give money. They just paid Melanson, and they say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll invest one more big contract, and we'll go Ian Desmond. And if Span gets hurt, you could put Desmond in center. You have a built-in center field replacement if you need it. And Span, you know, his health has just never been a huge asset. And so, yeah. Oh, I just. Oh, he just got hurt. Oh, dang it! He did just get hurt. He was on the internet looking at things, and he busted his hand wide open. Yep, he's he'll be out three days because that's when he usually goes out. He goes out for like a few days. Oh, Denard always, and, and it kills you for fantasy because you're just missing days here and there, and it's never in a long, uh, a prolonged period where you could put him on the DL and actually gotten somebody else in. So maybe that, this 10-day will be beneficial for him. It will be beneficial for him and players like that who get knick-knack in. Not knick-knack. Like if, if you have to be out for an injury, it's not knick-knack. I, I don't want to say that because we don't deal with these injuries. Like we hear some of them that sound lame, like, oh, a toe. What do you need a toe for? You need a toe for a lot, actually. It's like yeah. the, the base. You actually need it. If your big toe is throbbing, yes, that is problematic if the nail has ripped off or something and it's just like uh, – throbbing and utter pain so i don't want to i don't want to pretend that denard span is not tough because he gets injuries sometimes your body just the, cannot hold up to the rigors of being a professional athlete so i i don't want to clown him on that but th- to our point he does experience some injury woes with some regularity 
And again, you would have that built-in center fielder if you needed it. Uh, and you still have Mac Williamson out there. So you go uh, Parker and Williamson on the bench. You got two guys there. I don't know. So that, that's that's my sneak tip team for Ian Desmond. I like that. I like that's good. I, I could change to that. Yeah, because I'm not really sold. I at this Pirates idea, but no, the left field there. Oh, um, their outfield is locked and loaded. Even if they trade McCutcheon, I think they can bring up Austin Meadows in short order. And, yeah, and they're yeah. right back to having a locked up outfield. Yep. All right. Wait, we got to get one I'm, more. One more. I'm so, psyched. I'm so psyched about this prediction. Where's Joey Bats go, man? You got some for me? Because I got, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where oh, Joey Oh, dude, Bats. I, got, I got the perfect move. Gimme. Cincinnati. Him and Votto, same lineup. They need, they need a right field. You, you don't get need two guys left. on base all the time. <laughs> all the time. They're, they, they're only paying Votto, really. You know, Brandon Phillips is about to be done soon. You know, they need to be. They need to make some noise because they've been so irrelevant for so long. I kind right of field love wide it. open. You got to put them in. I kind like okay. It doesn't perfectly fit from like okay he's going to be 36 and the reds are not contending right away but what if you almost sign him to basically trade him in the second year of the deal or something right you're saying okay we signed him to a three-year deal but we really plan on trading him in the summer of 2018 sure yeah exactly like if, if our team really doesn't do anything well they are paying one other guy by the way ba- bailey's making 19 milli this year. Is he making 19 mil? Dude, it was a it was a 6-year $105 million deal, which I actually liked at the time. I love it, Homer Bailey. I actually don't think he's completely done either. No, he's not done. He, you know, but the injuries, but uh, I mean, it, it's devastating. He's thrown 34 innings the last 2 years. Like it would be one of those rebirths, but I talk about this a lot when when we're talking about guys who are on the downswing. We've seen guys build up from much lower depths, and the one I always love to go to is Scott Casimir. That guy that yeah. guy was Done. Not just done. Like done, all capitals, underline, italicized, bold. Because he was pitching um, 200 miles away from us in, in Sugarland Skeeters. Skeeters. Like yep. we could have gone and gotten a hit off of him. Like I think they had a raffle where somebody could have come out of the stands and just gotten a knock off of freaking Scott Casimir if you wanted. Which you know, you, which you know me, that would have been like my lifelong dream. I, I would have actually committed suicide out of happiness after doing that. You, you, it, what else would you have had to live for? Paul loves Scott Casimir. Again, we go back to the Mets fandom. Yeah. Uh, Paul absolutely adores Scott Casimir and uh, not such a fan of Zambrano, though. The name I knew if I had to talk about Casimir Zambrano's <laughs> name had to be put up somehow. It's tied together for my whole life. Like, forever, dude. Forever. By the way, with the Sugarland Skeeters, 534 ERA in 64 innings. That's what I'm saying. Done. This was independent league. He was done. And he built, back, built himself back up to get two contracts, by the way. So... You can't tell me that Homer Bailey's done. And I know it's, I can't just use a one-off example of Casimir to say anybody can come back, but I kind of can because if there's the will to do it and, and there's, if the health will allow it at some point, then there is a, a, the chance. And I think Bailey's still getting himself healthy from his Tommy John. I think he had a hernia at some point too. So these last two years have been a washout, but they, 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 they can get him back on track, but that could be the roadblock to this fun Bautista thing because then they're, then they're paying four guys upwards of i don't know exactly what batista wants but you got to figure it's 15 plus that that's what i'm saying though i don't know if batista's gonna get that what do you think i don't know what i think people are gonna be worried about his injuries i'm so i i'm so out on knowing what to do with batista i like i really don't know what to do right now um mlb trade rumors put him three years 51 mil back to toronto 
that's a great contract. You know who he's aging like? Because he's older, right? Yep. But 36. think of like the years played. He's kind of having a Curtis Granderson career. Who's the greatest human being to ever exist? He, he and he really is the greatest human being to ever exist. Like he's, he's unbelievable. He's so great, dude. I would I'd be devastated if he actually like if some crap came out like actually this whole time he's been living a double life. He has a second family. His wife never knew about. He turns out he's a piece of crap. I'd be so I would well, never know, trust you know, any any player ever. Yeah, I know. I you don't 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 poison me with that. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> the moon thing is a hoax. He thinks he thinks Curtis Granderson thinks the moon landing was fake. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but back to like Batista and him, they're, they're very similar players where their their batting averages fluctuate. They both walk a lot. And later in Granderson's career, he has power, but it's kind of it's, – it's it's a little bit less than what it used to be. And Batista's the same way. His power is not the same it used to be. It's still good. I think you could see some like 240, you know, 350. That's the um, piece. Seasons. That, 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 that OBP – is yeah. you can continue to bat him at the top of the lineup. And again, it might not be that first the way they did in Toronto for a little bit, but you bat him second with that power and that OBP. I, honestly, like I said, I don't know financially if, if Cincy can, can, can justify, it. justify it. But from a team standpoint, I actually like it. Because like you're almost getting two guys on guaranteed, and it's righty-lefty with, with Batista Votto at the top of the lineup there. You can lead off Hamilton, and then you go Batista Votto. That's kind of ridiculous, dude. And they're so patient that they'll give Hamilton all the uh, runway he needs to to steal bases too. Like they they're comfortable taking a pitch. They don't have to jump on every first pitch. And it makes up for the rest of your lineup, which is so OBP depleted. Oh God, that's been their biggest issue forever. Uh, even as they turn 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 in some new guys like Brandon Phillips, never really been an OBP guy. These new guys that they've got going, like an Adam Duvall, a, a Eugenio Suarez, that's not their game. Jay Bruce no. has had glimpses of OBP, but it's never been a huge part of his game. So you're right. Like again, it fits from like a structure standpoint. It just might be a year or two too early for them. Like if they were just a little bit further along, then I would kind of love it. But I think would that, you do four for sixty if you're Cincinnati? Honestly, I would rather I would rather do something where I'm paying him shorter time but more money. And then like okay. I said, my backup plan is to just trade him anyway. And maybe I'd even be up front. Listen, we want to bring you in. We want you to like help this team come together. And I don't know how open he would be to this, but if you just are open about the communication, maybe it's something that could work. Hey man, we're only gonna do the two or three year deal, not a four year. Uh, but we'll pay you a little bit more on on that front end. But keep, we're not going to do the no trade. Like I know you want to no trade. Like no, it ain't happening. Like that's the one thing we cannot do for you. We'll give you the and that's maybe I would trade that. I say I will give you the third year, but we're not giving you a no trade because we're almost certainly trading you if we don't if we don't develop a lot in 2017 and see like a path to some success in 18 and 19, then you're freaking gone. But if you're just honest with them about it. Maybe it would work. It would be fun for a full season this year, though. I would like to see it. Maybe I'll maybe I'll put him on the team and it'll be the show just to see how it goes, and see if they get get another five wins or something. Just just, just to see if I get you know what. Maybe I'll rebuild Cincinnati. Uh, I'll start a franchise rebuilding them and 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 sign Batista after the uh, 2017, 2016 season just to do that and just take mad walks with those two. 
That'd be sick. That'd be fun. All right, Paul, sick. you, you got to get going soon because your Jets are playing Monday Night Football. I don't know why oh you want to watch God. them lose so badly. But I do want to hit on this catcher market really fast. Again, okay. Jason Castro already signed to Minnesota, which doesn't seem like a big move, but it actually is. And this is less about fantasy because a lot of these guys, like, these guys are not great fantasy pieces, particularly Castro. He's more of a um, – he's going to help fantasy from a pitcher standpoint. That's what Ian and I talked about when we talked about that signing. But you got Weeders, who's been you know just kind of – he just never really panned out to the level that was expected you got Wilson Ramos who had a brilliant season but then ripped his knee up at the end you you gotta you gotta be a human piece of crap if you don't feel bad for that guy like there's no way you can't feel bad for what happened to Wilson Ramos after the year that he had and then you have again recently non-tendered Wellington Kessel who really kind of deepens a market that is quite thin a lot of teams need catchers first off who do you value the highest out of those three between Weeders Ramos and Castillo Ramos. Okay. So you're the upside of Ramos is it's the, still too is high. Okay. He's talking, he wants a four year, obviously. The the rehab suggests that he'll miss a month to two months. Pro- probably a month and a half to two months, let's say that. Six to eight weeks of this season. So you're you're losing that time. That's not so bad though. If you think about it in the scope of six months, yeah, you gotta, you gotta piece it together for a month and a half, but then you're getting a, a pretty big boost there in late to late May to early June. But look at Mezzarosco though, who you kept, you kept exactly. thinking he was gonna come back, come exactly. back. Catchers, it's so hard. It's risky. It's so it's very risky. Okay. So, I didn't know that about his rehab was taking this long. It was gonna take this long. Well, it happens so late. It's just the regular yeah. rehab. It's just, it happens so late. So, uh, where could you see Wilson Ramos going? God, I feel bad because I keep saying this darn team. Philly. What do we Colorado? Oh, okay. Oh, dude, they do need a catcher, though. Like, they've got Tom Murphy, uh, who is a fake player, and Tony Walters right now. Like, they don't it, – it's not like they're locked in. I took Tom Murphy in the, uh, in the Arizona Fall League draft there. They have Tony Walters <laughs> slotted, slotted in right now. It, it's open there. That that they actually do have space to get. I mean, we've only been putting like catchers in first base there, and those are the positions that they def, definitely need. I know. It just it, it, I keep thinking like we're dreaming up like oh, if you put a power hitter in Colorado, it's the greatest. thing I mean, in the world. But it is it the greatest is. thing, and it would be sick to get well, uh, get a good catcher there because they've made they've made mediocre catchers worth. They make Nick Hundley worthwhile uh, just yeah. being out there. Like Chris Iannetta built his whole career off of starting out there in Colorado. So yeah, you put somebody who's capable and actually like really good out there. Sign me the hell up. Um, uh, trade rumors originally had him for Houston. Of course they they traded for McCann, so that that moves that out of the picture. What about you know they made a lot of moves the past couple years i don't know if they're ready to get back into the market especially with somebody who's hurt but what about the white Sox? or are they in full rebuild um they were a team i noted that needed a catcher for sure um i don't know if they're full we'll see if what happens with sale we got to see what happens you're right with sale. you're right because if they trade him that completely changes the, the direction of it but if they keep him and they try to reinforce around a brayu frazier melky eaton and larry then we're talking a different story there 
are you guys in the market for a catcher or are you guys happy with McCann? They love they love McCann and understandably he's a, he's a good defensive catcher. That's where he wins. Okay. Um he's got that team leader vibe to him. He kind of had that this, the second he walked in the door. So I think he's going to be kind of maybe like one of those decade guys even though his hitting's never necessarily going to be great. Although maybe he goes um the yachty mode where you play so much that you kind of learn how to hit in the majors even though you don't have a great bat. That's what I'm holding out hope for. And I'm not saying yachty to the fullest like he doesn't have Yachty's defense and I don't think he'll ever have Yachty's full bat but my point is if he if he starts for the next three years um, or, or, or let's say another two years after this so that'd be four years of starting then by the time he hits 30 he okay now I kind of know how to hit a little bit and I'm still a good defensive catcher and he puts on another three four years with the club as a quality hitter and maybe that, a bit Maybe he'll hit a big hit home run in the ALCS that ruins your fans' hopes and stuff. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. That was that was so devastating, by the way, uh, that that he did that. We were supposed to go to the World Series together. Yeah, I know. We would have went. It would have been great. And we would have beaten the sucky Mets instead of those terrible cards. How did you not beat that team, Mets? They were so bad, that team. They were not like good, the and they beat World both of our teams. We should actually hate the Cardinals forever. I know you do, but like, I should hate them more, I think. You should really hate them more. Because that team um, was not good, and my upstart Tigers were having a dream season, and those idiots, they kind of decimated the Tigers, too. It was what I like to call a five-game sweep. The Tigers yeah. won one of them, but that was never in doubt. No, it was No. Right? Because the only moment you thought the Tigers had a chance was game one. Yep. And it went downhill from there. It all went downhill. So, yeah, screw them. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, I think the Tigers are set there. Um is Boston LA? set on Sandy Leon? Yeah, probably. I think they're pretty set on okay. him. Okay. LA meaning okay. meaning the Angels? I, no, yeah, I meant the Angels. I should have been more specific. I think they kind of like Jet Bandy though. I know that sounds weird to say cuz that, that that not I'm not certain he's not quite Tuffy Gosowish, but I'm not sure that Jet Bandy's a real person. I'm not 100% certain. Jet Bandy sounds like um somebody a from a, a, well no, he sounds like somebody from a movie, a player from uh, a yeah. movie. Absolutely. Like like the like the, the 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 dreamy cool guy Jet Bandy and he's like he's like a dick to the other teammates, and he drives cars really fast. Yeah, and then like in the middle of the movie, man, he gets he gets in a drunk driving accident because he just partied too hard. But he learns his mistakes. He does. We think he dies, but then they cut to the next shot. He's just in the hospital. He comes back just in time for the World Series. So he's like that lovable dickhead that that redeems himself, even though we should hate him because he was a terrible person throughout the movie. I hope Jet Bandy dies in the movie. Sorry, By the way, if I, I any of you want to steal this there. screenplay, you got to give us some money. For we need we need in on it. We're yeah, definitely, we, we're we, definitely, we got uh, it recorded, we got it saved. Yep. You can't just say that it's your idea. Like, we came up with it. You cannot take the legend of that bandy and make it a freaking the next money ball without our consent. Thank you very much. Nope. Um, Thank you. I'm trying to figure out where else I can put some of these catchers, though, because we still have to place Weeders and Castillo. I imagine that did Arizona, like, why did they non like, Chris Herman, what? Tuffy Ghostwish, I don't even think they – I think they actually got rid of Ghostwish. Yeah, so he's like, on Atlanta. What the hell is Arizona even going to do? Oh, no, no, they signed Jeff Mathis to a two-year deal. Oh, never backup. mind. Then they're all set. They have an amazing catcher. I forgot. My bad. Well, they say Wellington Castillo's problem is the pitch framing. I know, and it and is. That's, and that's Mathis's strength. Yep, so, okay. and that's his only thing that he's able to do. Oh, my God. He cannot hit. Um. Well – does Baltimore get back in, in weird sweepstakes, or are they going Caleb Joseph? Um, I feel like they're going to go Caleb starter? Joseph, 
Maybe Oakland? I was looking at Oakland because they currently have somebody slotted in name Bruce Maxwell, who I don't know, who's actually like the 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 guy that we root for in the Jet Bandy movie. We like Bruce Maxwell. We think Bruce Maxwell should get his <laughs> chance, but Jet Bandy just keeps steamrolling that fool. He steals his girl, who's played by Jennifer Lawrence. Real good, real good role for her. And you know, Bruce Maxwell just can't catch a break, but who freaking hits the clutch hit in the World Series to give Jet Bandy the opportunity to even come up and save it? It's yeah. Bruce Maxwell, obviously. And Bruce is the first one to congratulate Jet Bandy. Despite all the garbage that Jet Bandy did to him, Bruce Maxwell yep. says, great hit, man. Great hit. And, and Jennifer back. looks on longingly like, I should have chosen Bruce. I know Jet's going to cheat on me. And you're right, Jennifer. He is. You're an idiot. Yeah, they'll never do a sequel because that's the whole sequel is Jet Bandy just cheating again on <laughs> the whole time. And Bruce Maxwell's with Amy Adams living a great life. And it's all yep. set. And, and just the regret <laughs> of Jennifer Lawrence for choosing stupid Jet Bandy. This is a great movie, by the way. Um, whoever wants to write it, hit us up on Twitter at Spore at Paul Costava. All right. Um, Weeders, where where I, I still love Weeders irrationally. I'm still holding on hope, and I don't know why because I shouldn't. Like he's not. I can hold on hope that he's going to be like a solid average player, but he's never going to be the stud that we thought he was going to be. It's going to be 31. I got to let that dream die. He's does been he handle a, pitching staff well. He does. He's been a perfectly adequate catcher from the backstop position. Is like that's that's his strength right now because the bat just isn't he's had some decent hitting seasons but he's never really exploded with the bat but he can handle a, a, a pitching staff just fine I think that that's still an asset but I don't know that the Angels are going to spend I don't know that Oakland's going to spend and those are two teams that desperately need that that could desperately use the catcher I keep coming back to the White Sox for one of these guys I really think that they're going to do that who the hell is Omar Navarez what yeah I don't know who that is um well Maybe here's a weird one. Okay. What if Washington does what they should do with Derek Norris and, and platoon him? Leaders. That could be leaders. interesting. That could be interesting. What about Norris can't be your everyday catcher? What about San Francisco? They don't have anybody. That'd be a great. <laughs> Puster Bosey, I think it's Yeah, yeah. Is. Get Puster Bosey out of there. Put Wellington Castillo. Because I would get Castillo over the other two if I'm San Francisco. Because the guy they got out right now sucks. And so you can get Wellington Castillo and they're just dropping bombs left and right. Um, can, you tra- can you trade Puster Bos- Bosey for like – would you think they could they maybe get like an Eric Campbell form if they were lucky? Either well, if they want to like really try to get something, I would try to get Ryan Schimpf from San Diego, but oh, that might, that might be shooting too high. I know, I know, I know. I'm just like we're we're kind of dreaming here, so I'm saying like maybe they could do that. But if not, you settle for an Eric Campbell. Uh, speaking of though, what about your loser team with Travis Darno? Like, are we done with that already? And maybe Apparently they sign they one are. of these guys? No, because they they. Some people were calling for Wellington Castillo, but they already re-signed Rene Rivera to be the backup. They like him. Travis Darno, they say they're going in season with him. Like, that's their guy now. Uh, great. Know. I'll draft him again because he'll be lasting out there too long. And I always wait on catcher too long. And I'll be like, well, there's Travis Darno. There's a name I know. I'll pretend that he's not going to get hurt for freaking nine-tenths of the season. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Darno never gets hurt. And, no, he's so And tough. then I guess they... And they believe in Plowecki still has potential because he's so young. So yeah. he's like third guy. Yeah. There's no, and I, I don't blame him. Like, you already paid a lot of money to Cespedes. You're eventually going to have to pay these pitchers. You know, you can't overpay for one of these catchers, so man. I know he said that, like, 
there's not a, like we can't just keep giving Colorado players, but like these players could be their market could be driven down to the point where they're almost a bargain for Colorado to where they say, yeah, let's get a Weeders or a Ramos. Maybe not Castillo. I would get I would want to get Ramos or Weeders if I'm going to spend that money. And they say, hey, we'll spend the first two months figuring out if Walters or Murphy can stick as a backup. But then we bring in Ramos and we go from there. I mean, because I don't I just don't know where the other chairs are going to fall again. Arizona needs help, but um, maybe they're going to go with Herman and Matthews uh, or Mathis. Excuse me. I'm looking. Go ahead. Catchers is, catchers is just a cluster of similarity. It really like there's there's a handful that that jump out. Obviously, Lucroy, uh, Posey, Sanchez. Um, obviously has elevated himself. Sal Perez is at another level because of his, his defense, especially, but a good bat. McCann, Molina, and then that, and then there's like a substantial drop off to the next level. And then you got guys like Grandal, uh, Wilson Contreras, JT Real Muto, and then another giant drop off to everybody else. I mean, you forgot in your top tier to put, put Zanino, Mike Zanino. I hate Mike Zanino so much, and I hate you even more. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's why I said it. I know that's why you said it. Have him dead last. But I think they the, the reason I didn't mention him though, uh, mention Seattle though, is I think that they're going to give him a, a real shot, and that's why they're not going to spend too. money on Weeders or Ramos. Yeah, they 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 still, you know, they believe in a thing called love. I guess so. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Have fun with with Zanino. Yeah, I, I would that. take I would take dickhead Jet Bandy over Zanino <laughs> at this point. Like our fictional Jet Bandy, I would take I over. David Wright is my catcher over Mike Zanino <laughs> with <right>. his back. <laughs> yeah. just put him at catch. Hey man, you're going to catch 150 games this year. What do you mean nobody catches 100? Yeah, but you are. But like, you not even Yachty me? catches 150. Yeah, well, you are. Okay, we're paying you, bro. You're going to do what we say. Do it or retire. Do it or retire. Those are your only options, man. Sorry. Got to go. All but right, Paul. Back, you know I have this degenerative back thing, right? We, like I really keep catching. We don't care, man. Just squat. Just catch the ball and be really good at it too. We need you to frame, okay? And it's, it, it only comes in at 100 from Thor. You can catch it, dude. It's not You're that hard. Fine. You're fine, dude. You're a baby. No, but anytime like I crowd, like I feel like this shooting pain, like it kind of pulsates up and down my back. That means you're doing it right. Don't worry. Just just lean in there. And by the way, we have four doubleheaders scheduled this year, and you're catching all of them. What do you mean we're scheduled doubleheaders? What is this? 1956. The Mets are taking a really sick turn here with uh, with David Wright. I think that I think that marks the end of the episode. Plus, you got to go yeah. watch your team uh, somehow lose to the oh Colts, who are a terrible team. It's gonna be so bad. Paul, we'll get you back so on the show again in the near future. But thanks for talking some free agents with me. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later, brother. <laughs>